Did you know that Radio Vermont Group Digital Services can create videos including drone footage? We've even won awards for our videos. If you'd like to learn more and see examples of our work, go to rvgdigital.com. Radio Vermont Group, we're more than just radio. Hi there, this is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. Joining me on the phone is Carol Dawes. It's got a very long title here. She's the, first of all, she's the Barry City Clerk and Treasurer, but she's also the Chair of the Legislative Committee of the Vermont Municipal Clerks and Treasurers Associations. That's quite a title, Carol. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Pat. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard to say it all in one breath. That's, that's a sure. two-sided business card, right? Yeah, See exactly. over for rest of title. Um, so I heard Carol, um, I, I, uh, monitors the, um, some of the, Looked uh, some of the legislative hearings um, at home by Zoom. Thank you, Zoom. But I heard Carol testifying the other day on municipal ethics, and I thought, ah, I have got to call her to get updated on uh, what's happening from her perspective and the municipalities on legislation. So could you talk a little bit about your testimony and um, the um, ethics commission um, is as last year got a basic um, code of ethics for the judicial, uh, for the legislature, and uh, and for the state government. And now this year is trying to um, include the municipalities in that overarching um, code of ethics. Yeah, uh, the I mean I think I think the idea of of establishing a code of ethics um of offering training uh to municipalities right. uh, is is a is a great idea. The the challenge is that if you if you read through the language of the bill um, they essentially have taken the the state code of ethics and just everywhere where it says state, they've changed it to be town. Um, and they, it doesn't fit. It's not one size fits all. Yes. Towns are a very different animal. Um, and, you know, most of the governance on a town level is volunteer, um, whether it's the planning commission, the development review board, the select board, the city council, um, and a lot of the state ethics uh, deals with employees. Um, you're dealing with thousands of people, and so it's easy to say, okay, if you worked on a certain contract for the state and you've left that department or left the state's employee, you need to sit out for a year any kind of um, project right. that might uh, touch upon that contract. You can't do that on the local level. Um, you and I were talking the other day, and we agreed there's like 12 people in every town that do everything. <laughs> I use the number 10, but 12 <laughs> yeah. is close enough. <laughs> and, you know, so everybody has more than one hat, and you can't, uh, you know, exclude them. You can't put them on the bench right. uh, for a year or whatever because they're they're involved in, in other projects. We, we just – we don't have that kind of depth on the local level. Um, and the other thing is there's a difference between – employees, which is what a lot of the state code of ethics deals with, and governance and volunteers, which is what there is, you know, those are the people right. serving uh, on the local level. Now, yeah, exactly. And and I, I was sort of kidding about the 10 people in town, but it's pretty close to true. Yeah. I mean, there's a handful of people 
the 50 will show up at pre-town meeting and then they'll show up in Berlin at the, at the town meeting portion. It's the same 50 people. And when you look at the boards and commissions, it's pretty close to, to the same people. I know I got yelled at one time for, I was on the select board for being on too many committees, but you know, they want somebody from the select board. So there you go. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly, and, exactly. It's the old adage: you want anything to get done, you give it to a busy person. Yeah. But I do think you they know. heard you when when uh, they got it. I saw some heads nodding there when we we're talking about you can't tell these people that they can't get involved for a year. Um, there goes the workers in the town. So right. you have to thank them and let them move on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I think I think they've they've real this committee. Um, I had Mike McCarthy on one of the show. He's doing an excellent job. House yeah. GovOps is really a good committee. Yeah, and most of the work that that uh, that we've done, the the legislative committee of the Clerk and Treasurer's Association, is usually with um, either House Government Operations uh, and Military. What are they now? Military. Oh firms? yeah, I know no. they've they've gotten the military from. <laughs> it's very complicated. <laughs> exactly. Um, or with the the Senate equivalent, Senate Government Operations, because that's so much of where the you know election stuff is and and municipal things. So so. We deal very closely with those two committees. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, well, that's uh, I served on that on the House GovOps. Uh, on a, you know, I loved it because it all had to do with with what I knew. So, yeah. um, anyway, you have you gave me a laundry list here of issues that you've been tracking and getting involved in with your association. Um, and you were talking about there was an election bill pre-flood that was pretty extensive and uh, was put on hold because of the because of the the uh, the flood and the I don't know if it went back to the pandemic but it's apparently has it come back um and is it being considered now or where does that fall cuz that was pretty sizable it it was very sizable it included changes to uh tallying write-in votes it included uh implementing rank choice voting uh. um <laughs> Yeah, I'm not a fan either. Uh, um, sorry, did I say that? I'm not supposed to say that. I'm just kidding. I love it. Well, my what I find interesting about ranked choice voting is that um, when I talked with people, there were people across the board um, of all political stripes yep. who um, were either for it or against it. It really right. seemed to be a nonpartisan issue. Um, it really seemed to be a, an issue with what's the problem they're trying to solve. Exactly. You know, uh, my feeling is a- any kind of legislation should be solving a problem or moving something forward that needs to be moved forward. And I never – nobody could ever – adequately answer that question for me well and it's not the easiest thing to get explained to you either i mean i actually had to sit down and make up a a fake ballot myself and and work it through that because i don't know that i well anyway i don't i I can't do this (laughs) get myself into trouble um but um so that i didn't realize that was part of it so is that back on the table the, the 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 thing is there were a number of different election related bills last year and they ended up getting rolled into this one bill and right. and the the bill kind of collapsed under its own weight because there were so many different things in there that were were 
contentious or, or up for debate, um, that the, the bill essentially got shelved right at the end of last year's session. And then, yeah. you know, between the floods right. and the fact that this is an election year and Let's face it, the legislature tends to be a little less interested in making significant election changes in an election year. <laughs> Ta-da! Right. <laughs> um, so it, it, it pretty much has just been backbench. Okay, well. Or, and, you know, and my guess is that, that some of those, I mean, obviously you have to start new, but, but um, a lot of the ideas will, will likely come back right. next year. The, the Clerk and Treasurer's Association, we have been trying for years to get changes in the way write-in va- votes are tallied. Oh, interesting. Um, well, it's there. Many, many write-in votes are um, one-offs. You know, somebody doesn't either doesn't know who the candidates are, or it's uh, so they don't care to vote for any of the named candidates, or there's nobody running for that office, so there's only the opportunity to write in a name, and they write in the name of their bu- their buddy, right? Mickey or, Mouse. <laughs> yeah. Well, thankfully, Mickey Mouse is you know people that are fictitious. We don't have to oh, count. Excellent. But, you know, we literally here in Barry City, uh, particularly with the state primary elections in August, we'll have hundreds of write-in votes that we have to, you know, you have to document every one. You have to data enter every one. And they are all one-offs. It's just, you know, mm. one for John Smith, one for Mary Jones, one for – and, you know, there, there's there got to be a more efficient way to do it. Um, so what we've proposed over the years is to create a way for legitimate write-in candidates to register with the Secretary of State's office, you know, maybe by the Friday before an election, so that we only would have to count write-in votes for those people who ah. registered as a write-in candidate. Um, and that was starting to gain some traction last year, um, and it was included in this sort of omnibus elections bill. So whether we'll be able to bring it back or not, you know, we'll give it a try. I like that because I know in Berlin there are we didn't have any candidates for two of the empty select board seats, but yep. we have two write-ins. Yep. So that would make sense if if they're more sound like I don't want to say the word legitimate write-ins, but they're legitimately saying I I want my name written in. I want to be on there, not my best friend. Yeah, and for local elections, the argument had been made at the state house that well, you want you don't want to discourage that kind of grassroots. You know, you've taught you know a bunch of people talked to Mary Jones over the weekend and encouraged her to run for the empty school board seat. You don't want to discourage right. that. So those on local elections, people could actually register as write-in candidates Perfect. right up till the close of polls on Excellent. election day, and then you'd have a, a clerk would have a list. These are the the people we the write-in votes will actually count. That's great. Um, you know, so. We we keep crossing our fingers and hoping that we can move it forward, but you know, no no uh, luck yet. But well, maybe you never know. <laughs> um, anyway, so let's go down this list because um, there's one here: the abatement hearings. Uh, I thought that was very interesting. What they're trying to do because it's a little backlog in abatements these days, correct? 
Yeah, we Barry City is a, a perfect example. We were one of the, if not the hardest hit yeah. city um, from the July floods. Um, we lost ten percent of our housing stock. Yeah. Um, you know, we had over four hundred impacted properties, um, and and property owners are entitled to request an abatement of taxes if yeah. the value of their property has gone down because of damage or destruction. Right. Um, and so we, to date, we have over 60 abatement requests um, and we've held hearings. And when you abate taxes, um, it, you know, of course, every property pays both municipal and education taxes. Um, and when we abate the municipal taxes, that means that the, the city then has to get through that year with less money and so we adjust our budgets and you know our spending right. and we put hiring freezes on and things like that to make the adjustments but the education taxes when those get abated we're still required to pay the schools ah. the law says we have to pay the schools in full by the end of the fiscal year even if we haven't collected the money um, and so that creates a, an additional burden on the the state or on the town, and it, you know, so the the legislature has a, a bill in front of it that would have the state reimburse municipalities for abated education taxes. Um, they have to meet certain criteria. It has the property has to have experienced, you know, 50% damage or been vacant for unusable for at least 60 days. There, there's different criteria, right. um, but it's going to make a big difference here in the city of Barrie to the tune of, you know, probably well over a hundred thousand dollars. So, wow. so that's Ouch. certainly beneficial to us. Yeah, for so. sure. And I agree with you. You guys got hit with that mud. Unbelievable. Yep. I mean, I told you I was trying to help a friend out, and I gave up in an hour. I'm, you know, I'm old, and I'm, I can do this. My mind's still working, but I, an hour later, I'm like, it was like moving cement. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was disgusting. And it was, you know, it, it was toxic. Yep. It was, ah. I mean, it, there were, and because it was July, people's homes right. almost immediately started growing mold. Yep. Um, so it became a health hazard. Uh, yeah, it was, you know, and, and here in Barry City, you know, I certainly don't want to belittle the, the impacts on other communities, but, but as an example, in Montpelier, it was mostly water. Right. As opposed to the mud. And it was mostly commercial commercial properties right. as opposed to people's People. homes, yep. you know, and the number of people that ended up being displaced and are continuing to be displaced yeah. because of the um, the flooding. We had, uh, we also, away from the flood areas, we had landslides and we literally right. had houses knocked over by landslides, people rescued by the fire department out wow. of their living room windows because of uh, damage from yeah. the landslides. Well, I keep telling people People. When you ride through Barry, ride through Montpelier, it looks like everything's fine, but it isn't. So please don't forget that yep. behind the scenes there are people still needing our help because um, it's easy to forget because you want it to be over. You don't want to think about it, but yeah. it's pretty bad. You drive bad. Through, the, through the north end of yeah. Barry at night. And it's dark oh. because people's homes yeah. are vacant because they can't be back in their homes. And it's it's really sad, you know. It's such good people that live there, too. I yep. represented the North End when I was in the legislature and got to know a lot of them. 
hardworking. They're, you know, I mean, just oh, yeah. really good families, kids. I mean, it's just unbelievable what's happened. Yep. Anyway, speaking of tax sales, Carol, you were telling <laughs> me that you're involved with H629. What is that about tax sales? Because there's a few in Barry from time to time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it, tax sales are a tool that uh, municipalities have to help collect the taxes. Um, we all, everybody who owns property, we need to pay our fair share to support, you know, the fire department, the police department, get the streets plowed, you know, all the costs associated with, with running a town. Um, and, uh, and if we're not getting taxes paid or water and sewer you can use the same for for utilities um you you put a property up for tax sale we've all seen the notices in the newspaper um in the classified sections with the tax sales that are that are listed there um and the uh, h629 is a bill that proposes uh, significant changes uh, to the tax sale laws. Um, some of them make some sense. There's some <laughs> changes in notifications and making sure that that property owners understand all of their rights associated with, you know, uh, asking for abatements or or other assistance opportunities that are out there. But some of the changes that have been proposed. Are, are really onerous to the communities and would create uh, a, a situation where tax sales uh, become so difficult to hold that people probably wouldn't participate them in them anymore. Wow. And what that means is that you'd end up with buildings that are just vacant and abandoned. And the last thing Vermont needs at this stage right. of the game, where we're in such a housing shortage, is a bunch of vacant properties falling into disrepair. Um, I will say there have been some significant changes between the initial draft and the draft that's currently under consideration, and a lot of it is improvements. Um, so it is. I am hopeful that we're going to get to a place with this bill that uh, that it actually is is serving both um, the the property owners and the municipalities yeah. equally. Um, so. Fingers crossed. Good for uh, what committee is that in, Carol? Is that the um, It's or? in, uh, I believe it's in Ways, Ways and Means yeah. um, at the moment. And uh, I'm looking at what I've, yes, most recent testimony I've done was with Ways and Means. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, and of course, because it's, it's got money in it, that's going to, yeah. yeah, so, and there's been, uh, you know, I have been with the, the legislative committee for, I don't know, seven, eight years. And one of the things that I've really come to, um, to respect is the way people work together in the state house yep. and that the, you know, stakeholders uh, for different bills will come together and kind of work behind the scenes on, you know, how do we find common ground on, on a draft piece of legislation? You know, for this particular bill, we had bankers and lawyers and realtors and, uh, you know, and clerks and treasurers and, and the League of Cities and Towns all working together on right. finding common language. And, uh, you know, we don't agree on everything, but um, but it makes the bills stronger. Right. Yep. It makes the bills uh, serve the, the, 
the citizens of Barry of Vermont better. Um, you know, so putting together those consortiums of people to work on language has has been a really uh, strong Great. part of what I've I've been involved with, and I enjoy it. So. It's good to hear. Um, my experience hasn't been quite so positive on the uh, finding the balance, um, which. Uh, but I, I'm glad to hear that uh, it's alive and well in the state house because we always say that's the best bill, the third bill, your bill, my bill, and the compromise bill. Exactly, that, that's the best one. And anyway, I always tell people, you know, it's a win if each of us gets 49 percent of what we want. <laughs> exactly. Somebody, <laughs> you can't go away smiling every time. Yeah. But anyway, so the one I there's two more that I wanted to. Talk talk about open meeting laws. I just in the prior hour talked about hybrid meetings and, and open meeting laws. Could you talk about what they're thinking? Yeah, um, this kind of grows out of uh, the various emergency legislation measures that have been taken since the beginning of COVID. Um, as you know, immediately after the the world shut down in March of 2020, right. uh, emergency measures were put in place to allow, you know, completely virtual meetings so people could stay apart and, you know, socially distance and all that. Um, it allowed for electronic posting of notices. A, a whole bunch of emergency measures were put in place, and they were readopted um, in 21, in 22, in 23. Um, and now, what the what the hope is is to codify uh, some of the ones that that have proven to be popular, effective, um, giving everybody extra tools in their toolbox. Um, and so the, this uh, S55, which is the, the open meeting laws, um, is looking to do that. I think that it goes a little too far um, in that the, the current draft of the, or the initial draft of the bill would have mandated that every meeting oh, uh, of a public body, and that would include every committee, every select board meeting, um, it has to be a, a hybrid, has to have a physical location, has to have an online option. Um, and that just, to me, that was too restrictive. Um, it, you know, I think allowing uh, communities to do that if that works for them. First of all, it's expensive to yep. fit yourself up with the equipment necessary. Um, you may not have locations that have internet access, but it's where you hold your meetings. Right. Um, you know, our here in Berry City, our um, one of our recreation committees meets at recreation facilities right. outdoors. So. Huh. There's no way for them to right. do a hybrid. You've got that pasture so. committee. What is that called? Yeah, the cow pasture. The cow pasture yep. committee. Out in the cow pasture. Right, exactly. So, anyway, <laughs> anyway, there's um, two more issues, and then I wanted to move on to your town meeting or city meeting, what everyone calls town meeting, um, yep. or lack thereof next week. Um, so there's a bill to limit guns at the polling places, which I was at first going, what, what is that, until you shared some stories with me. And um, I'm yeah. supportive of it now. Yeah, um, you know, it, it. We're we're so fortunate here in Vermont that uh, that we haven't experienced a, a lot of the sort of 
upheaval around elections that that other parts of the country have. However, um, following or leading up to and uh, the and following the 2020 presidential elections, uh, the Secretary of State's office, their staff actually received wow. death threats, mm. um, and you know that's pretty sobering. Right. Um, and you know to to protect them, to protect our election workers. So many election workers in towns are are volunteers. They're our neighbors. Um, we want them to feel protected. We want them to feel safe and and comfortable uh, being at the polls. Um, there's a proposal to ban guns from polling places. Um, the you know, of course, we are Vermont and. Yeah. When we're voting in November, it's hunting season. So, um, you know, it, it's it's we want to be respectful right. uh, of both, you know, people's rights to to carry uh, firearms and, you know, keeping our election workers safe and you know their peace of mind uh, while working at the polls. So, yeah. so we there's been talk about you know there there is language being proposed to to ban it, but but. Then the discussion gets into well, you know, how do you enforce it? And, right. um, and and the the thought is to to not have it. This isn't a, a heavy-handed thing, you know. Um, right now, the law says that you you can't wear campaign buttons or <laughs> t-shirts at the polls when you vote because it you know it could influence other people in the polls, and we don't want you doing that. So right. it's the same kind of thing. Just a friendly yeah. reminder. Yeah, yeah. Probably. And I, I laugh yeah. when you because you and I were talking about this. We won't repeat it on the air, but there was a one year, um, <laughs> we had quite the scene about somebody wearing um, a button into the into the polling place. I just I laugh about that. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. You have a tough job sometimes. Uh, well, it's, Carol yeah, does. and there are you know even with things like that. I mean, you know, we put signs up and yeah. that says don't. that say you know please don't you know wear buttons or t-shirts right. or hats and and it'll now you know if the law passes it'll say you know please no firearms. Right. Um, and you know if somebody were to come in with any of those things with buttons with hats, we ask them to remove right. them while they're in the the building. You know, and if they if they say no, then we just we let them vote. We just you know just get them in get and them, out as get them out. quickly as you can. Right. Yeah, that was you, know, that was, so. you did that. You handled that very well, by the way. So anyway, one more one more thing that you're working on, which makes a lot of sense to me, because we were just talking about the mud and Barry, and it's how to calculate aid to municipalities, because just like with ethics, not every municipality got hit the same, and not one size fits all. Exactly. And that's one of the things that the legislature has been uh, really delving into for the for the last, you know, couple months since they've been in session um, is, you know, how do you do you figure it out? Uh, you know, as an example, Plainfield and Marshfield were heavy hit millions of dollars of damage to public infrastructure, right. mostly roads, bridges, things like that. Um, those kinds of projects will be covered by FEMA, uh, so they will get reimbursed through um, through through federal funding. Um, here in Barry City, uh, most of the damage was to private property, men, most of it to homes mm -hmm. um, that that have very little. There are 
funding limitations. I mean, FEMA's max payment is $41,000. Well, the average value of the, the property that were impacted was, you know, $200,000. So it doesn't begin to pay um, pay for that. And we're working with homes on potential buyouts. Um, you know, the city had to lay out a lot of money for to assist with cleanup that is not FEMA eligible. You know, so we're talking a lot of money. Um, and how do you build a formula that, that – um, that you can plug in every community, come up with some kind of fairness, right. um, you know. So, the as I said, the legislature has been working on it very hard, uh, and actually we're very pleased that as of yesterday it was announced that Barry City uh, has been included for a million-dollar block grant Great. in the budget adjustment bill. Um, and that other communities are, are also included in the budget adjustment bill um, for block grants. Uh, additionally, we've received word that we will get a reimbursement of the local share for uh, a number of different projects, uh, FEMA projects that require a local portion. So, um, you know, we, we feel we worked really hard with the legislature, with the League of Cities and Towns to to help give them the data they needed to create uh, a funding formulas that, that were equitable across the, the various impacted communities in the state. And as I said before, this is going to go on for quite a while oh, because yeah. uh, I know in Montpelier, most because of the water, most floors had to be lifted up and replaced, and it was hard finding the people to do the work, or if you found one, they were like three months, um, yeah. you, you could book an appointment three months out. And um, I know Representative um, Anthony, whose house got d- demolished in Barry, he's still waiting for to re- reconstruct his house, to rebuild yep. his house, because he can't find the, the co- contractors to do yep. the work. Yep, that certainly has, has been a, you know, um, a, a big roadblock to getting getting right. work done. Yeah. Um we had a last night at last night's city council meeting um we've had a, a number of public engagement meetings, we've had meetings in the three different wards, we've had citywide meetings, we've had surveys and last night was a presentation of that that information. Mm-hmm. Um it's available on the city website which is berrycity.org if people want to look at it, but it's got um lots of great information about, you know, potential buyouts potential flood resiliency yeah. projects because we can't you can't do just one thing in a vacuum right. um, any kind of uh, moving forward is going to involve buying out properties that were permanently destroyed where it's going to uh, require rebuilding housing because we can't afford to lose four hundred housing units. Exactly. It's going to involve looking at the river science. What are the areas in the city where housing or development really shouldn't be? And we need to let the river have that space back right. um, and what that looks like. Um, what's the impact from the, the rivers upstream of us and downstream of us? And, you know, it, using all of that to, to work on projects holistically uh, to figure out how we continue to exist with the river, with the changing climates, um, and, you know, continue to, to be a vital community. So, 
You made you mentioned something very important, which I don't think has been given enough attention, Carol. You talked about changes upstream and downstream. While you may be doing something in your town uh, with the water that that flows near your town to help your town, you really got to pay attention to what's the impact. You know, to Montpelier, to yeah. to Waterbury, all the way down. It's Yep. It's pretty scary. You've got yeah, to conclude yeah. and everybody. If we, you know, if we do something here in Barry City that allows the water in Barry City to move through more quickly <laughs> right. so oh. it doesn't back up and flood, we're just passing it down to your community yep. in Berlin, which yep. is the next one down. And, you know, that then cre- – and certainly down along the river in Berlin and over along the, you know, the dog over on the other side of right. Berlin, you guys got hit hard. Yep. Um, and, you know, and then the next community is Montpelier, and they got hit hard. For and, sure, and they were worried about their dam as well, yeah, right? So, yeah, yeah. So it, it is. It's a, it's a system-wide problem. You can't just look at things, you know, from your from within your town borders. Well, and I want to give a shout-out to Barry Up and uh, in your town. Um, yep. They came together and are working really, really hard. Same with Katie Trout's organization in Montpelier yep. and others in, in, in Waterbury and other places. It's just been amazing to watch the, the people. Well, um, and what's great is that they're doing not only assisting people who were impacted, but they're also doing long-term recovery. Right. Um, right. And that's the, the focus. I mean, here we are, you know, seven months in, and, you know, there is still a tremendous amount to be done. So, so Carol Dawes, before I get into your role as Barry City Clerk, how many years have you been in that job? Sixteen well, I don't know if people know. Is this something I can say on the radio? Because it's too late, Carol. Yeah, um, go for <laughs> Carol, it. Exactly. Carol is not seeking re-election this year, and that is such a loss to Barry City. I had the honor of working with Carol for a few years when I worked at Barry City part-time, and she is she just does everything well. Uh, no, Carol, you do. You're amazing. And um, I wish you lots of success in your retirement, um, whatever you choose to do. Um, and thank you for liking, loving Barry City and its people. And with your job as uh, on the association, the MCTA, thank you, <laughs> thank you, because you are an, you present beautifully to the legislature. You're a very good presenter. You've got your homework done and. Um, they really respect and admire you at the legislature because I know when I was in House Gov Ops, they're like, well, get Carol Dawes. And <laughs> there you go. Thank you, Carol. <laughs> Thank you. Seriously, it was a pleasure. And uh, always good for a laugh, always good for hiding out in Carol's office if you're hiding, which I used to do. <laughs> but anyway, um, so let's talk about your role as a clerk and treasurer. You guys, your town meeting is not the town's town meeting is not this Tuesday. You've moved it out to May. Right. We we actually um we as we were working in December on building our budget for FY20 for fiscal year 25, which would have been voted next week on town meeting day. We realized we don't 
we've got too many missing pieces um, that are tied to the flood. We don't know what the overall impact is going to be on our current year and what kind of deficit we may carry into the next year. We don't know what the grand list is going to look like for, you know, how many buildings are going to come back from the flood. We just had too many holes in our calculations. And we know that we were going to the legislature for funding assistance, but we weren't going to know what those numbers were like. So we had the opportunity because of our charter um, to set a different date for our town meeting elections. And so we moved to May 14, which is the same day that neighboring Barry Town holds their town meeting election. So it makes sense. The whole community will feel like it's voting on the same day. Uh, and we'll have that opportunity to, you know, we still don't have a finalized budget number because we don't need to until right. uh, the end of March, right. early April. So it's given us a lot more opportunity to gather the information we need to make smart, realistic calculations. And Carol, everything is by Australian ballot. There's no, I mean, how do, do you have a pre-town meeting or pre-city meeting that people can learn about? We don't have we don't have a pre-town meeting, not what you would think of, uh, you know, because huh. Berlin, of course, has, a, right. has an actual floor meeting. Um, what we are required, because everything is Australian ballot, we're required to have an informational meeting, huh. um, which we do as part of the regular council meeting the week before. Um, and I must admit, Nobody ever comes. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so, but you know, the the public can be engaged. Uh, you know, leading up to it, uh, they reach out to counselors. They reach out to me. Um, you know, to have conversations about um, what's on the ballot. Well, of course, this Tuesday. You have, you do have a vote to take yep. for people to participate in yep. up in the odd, I'm assuming. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, where polls are open at the auditorium from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Um, and we actually have three different ballots that we'll be voting on. Um, one is the Barry Unified Union School District ballot. Um, the Barry Unified Union School District has chosen not to move their budget election. Uh, you know, the legislature right. recently passed uh, the law that allows communities to move their school budget elections if they want to. Um, but Barry has decided to stick with the um, the March 5th date. So we, we will vote on school board members and the school budget. Uh, we also vote on the Central Vermont Career Center uh, budget. Um, and the Career Center covers an 18-town area that's throughout Central Vermont. Um, so we'll be voting on their budget, uh, their ballot. And then, of course, this is also the state presidential primary. Right. Um, so uh, we'll have that ballot also. And you get to select which ballot you want, Democrat, Republican, right? And yep, that's yep. What you, you have on. to. You yeah, actually right. have to select. It's, right. it's state law, and it's driven by um, the, the national parties. 
that because Vermonters aren't required to register with a party, um, right. this was a compromise with the state parties or with the federal parties, the national parties, to be able to get information about uh, numbers and, you know, Vermonters who right. who vote in the parties. The interesting thing, of course, is you there's nothing that requires you to vote exactly. a ballot that you actually would support in the general election. So, you know, it, there can be a lot of gamesmanship going on. I'm shocked, Carol. <laughs> Carol, you have a caller, Guy from Barry. Uh, yeah. Guy, you've got the air. You're on with Carol. Go ahead. Oh, thank you. Uh, I just want to reiterate Pat, what you said about, about Carol. I've had an occasion to work with her and you know, some projects, uh, probably as long ago as 15 years ago when we worked on the Barry Heritage Festival together. But, uh-huh. um, you know, she's been such a, a treasure for, for the area and, you know, for our colleagues. And uh, I just want to thank her for her service. Uh, and also, because I'm on the Career Center Board, wanted to thank her for the work that she did to get us across the finish line. I know there was a lot of concern about balloting and that type of thing. And, you know, she was a, a real trooper and, and helping us. So I, I I said that the other night at the annual meeting, but I don't know whether Carol heard me or not. So Great. thank you again, Carol. Nice thank job. you. You're absolutely right, Guy. Thanks. I, I, I did hear you. I was having technical difficulties. I couldn't I couldn't get my microphone or camera to work, but I did hear your comments. Thank <laughs> That's you. That's very nice. I'm sure oh, there are the, many, the, many the people. La- the, the last question is, do you have a new version of your taxes that do song before you leave? <laughs> I don't. I don't know whether I'll have an opportunity to record one more before oh. our May fifteenth. Uh, I'm lucky enough that I've recorded so many of them over the years that I can recycle them. Yes. Um, you know, which is great because during the pandemic, I I couldn't get into the station to record new ones. So. Well, Carol has an amazing voice, and I thank you, guy. I completely forgot about that. You turn on the radio, and there she is singing about pay your taxes. <laughs> I love it, Carol. Yeah. It's cr- it, makes you want, it makes you want to do it with a smile. Yeah, but I said, well, maybe. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, well, I don't know about that guy. She's good, but not that good. <laughs> but I've had Thank the pleasure you. of hearing Carol sing, and it is a pleasure. So what are they going to do without you, Carol? Are there people that have stepped forward? To, um, to- I've had a few conversations yeah. with some people who have expressed an interest, and, of course, after next week's election, you know, I'm I'm busy with that right. right now, but my intention is to to do some more public outreach mm. to, you know, maybe even, you know, set up at a local coffee shop right. on a Saturday morning and say, hey, if you're interested in hearing what the job entails, come yes. on down. So. And anybody who's running, would you people please ask questions? Yes. What can they do? Because I, I, Carol, I always forget your treasurer. And when I was, I'm like, oh, it's bad enough being city clerk, but treasurer besides... <laughs> You gotta know what you're doing. Um, we have had some interesting experiences in Berlin because there's no requirement, um, for, um, for your background. It's just. For either. Yeah, for no. either position. You know, if they're elected, it's just, you know, whoever gets the, the most votes, you don't have to have gone through any kind of training or have right. any, you know, But she's nice. Or, you know, well. <laughs> That's what I heard one year. But she's so nice. When I was elected in 08, I had been serving on the city council for four years, but I didn't have any experience in the clerk's office. And, 
you know, God bless the staff in the office because they yeah. took me under their wing and got me up to speed yeah. and then you know, I, I was able to sort of figure it out from there. So. Well, I love working at Barry City because the staff, everybody was fabulous there, and I always enjoy coming into work in my little office. So yep. um, anyway, Carol, thank you very much. Um, we don't have much time left. I know we should have talked about the CLA, which, uh, <laughs> of course, Bar- Berlin's in worse shape than Barry is, but still not good. No, I know. Thankfully, we have a citywide reappraisal that we're we're just getting started on. Should be done in a couple of years. Well, I so think that'll help. We got uh, I think we got slammed because we didn't right. do a reappraisal in a few years, and wh- when we did it last time, that was another fifteen years. It really hits people hard. Yeah. Well, the last one we did was '06, oh, so wow. we're going to be twenty Ouch. years by the time we're done. Yep. So. Well, I hear the music, Carol Dawes. You are a treasure, and thank you very much. And um, anything you do going forward, I'm sure you'll be very successful at. So enjoy your retirement. Don't do like I do. I'm still working at 80, for gosh sake. What is that about? Anyway, uh, thank you, Carol Dawes. Tomorrow, um, first hour will be four of our local city and town administrators from Northfield, Montpelier, Berlin, and Barry City talking about town meetings. So stay tuned. Get up to speed. This is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. See you tomorrow.